Welcome to Cities and Planners, the podcast about cities from the perspective of urban planners of all persuasions. On each episode, we ask a different planner to tell us about their city, what they love, what they don't love, and how they are working to make it better. I am your host, Christopher Rones, a transportation planner in New York City. Welcome, everyone, to the very first Cities and Planners podcast. Now, before we get into it, I wanted to tell you a little bit about myself and why I'm doing this podcast in the first place. So first about myself, I work for New York City Department of Transportation, mostly working on transit issues, but I have worked in other cities, specifically from 2015 to 2018, I lived and worked as a planner in San Francisco. And so I definitely have the perspective of working in more than one city and living in more than one city and sort of being aware of the differences and the unique issues. But I'm actually interested in going beyond that and and really learning uh, about multiple cities and how they differ, how they are the same. It's something I'm pretty fascinated in. Now, as I mentioned, I'm a transportation planner. So a lot of the people who I work with are obviously on the transportation side of things, whether they're planners or engineers, so on and so forth. And, you know, the issues that I tend to, uh, at least in my work, focus on are transportation related. But I want to be broader than that in this podcast. I'd like to talk to planners of all types Uh, and hear their perspectives, whether they're working on land use or housing or what have you. And so I mentioned, I alluded to why I'm doing this, why I'm interested in it. Fundamentally, I've always been interested in cities, and that's one of the reasons, probably the main reason I got into this profession, Uh, and I'm interested in knowing more about them. And specifically, My lens is from the lens of planning issues, but I'm also an urbanist in general, so I'm interested in cities in a more general way. So the idea is not that this is going to be an overly technical planning planning podcast, but that we would talk to planners uh, who give their perspectives professionally, but also just personally as residents of that city and maybe learn a little bit about uh, about that city uh, in a general sense. And you'll see in this first part, this first interview that I'm about to uh, run here, that we do touch on both things. So I suspect that I'm not the only one who is interested in learning about uh, different cities in North America, and both from a planning and non-planning perspective. So I'm hoping that there are enough people who feel the same way that I do to make uh, this effort worthwhile. Today, we're gonna be talking about the city of San Jose. San Jose is part of the Bay Area in Northern California. So it often gets grouped with Oakland and San Francisco, but it's a large city in its own right, over 1 million and actually much larger than San Francisco if you just look at the city borders. So it's a a pretty large city. Um, And the planner that I'm interviewing today is Jesse Mintz-Roth. Now I worked with Jesse at the New York City Department of Transportation where he was for several years. And you'll hear us referencing New York in some cases. But Jesse has now for a couple of years been working as a transportation planner in San Jose. So uh, I was very interested in, in getting his unique perspective on the city and hopefully you'll be interested too. So let's listen to what Jesse has to say about San Jose. Hello, Jesse, and welcome to my podcast. Thank you very much for talking with me today. Of course. Great. Today's episode is on San Jose, and you are a planner in San Jose, so you're very well qualified to talk about the city. Uh, But my first question for you is, how did you come to live, first of all, live in San Jose, and uh, also, what do you do there uh, for your planning work? Uh, Well, I work for the San Jose Department of Transportation, and I am the uh, manager for the Vision Zero Initiative, which is the city's initiative to uh, reduce traffic fatalities and injuries on our streets. And how I came to this job is that, um, I guess your listeners should know that we have some professional history. I lived in New York City for uh, 14 years, all told. Um, And originally, though, I'm from the Bay Area. So... I grew up in Berkeley, California, and I lived there until I was 18 years old. And then I left for 21 years, and my family's still there. 
Um, but in those 21 years, I went to college in Chicago. I worked for a year in Princeton, New Jersey, and I went to New York in two different iterations, one for four years and then two years in Boston for grad school. And then I returned for 10 years. Um, and that's when you and I met. I started working for New York City DOT in 2008. And in 2016, I went to New York City's Department of City Planning where I worked on um, transportation um, and the agency at large at the time was working on um, rezoning neighborhoods for more affordable housing. And I was really sort of turned on to the idea of that project, perhaps from coming from California where uh, just housing development is not strong suit. I did that for two years. It was interesting, but also sort of not really my calling. And uh, when a friend of mine who I'd met in New York in the planning world um, told me about an opening in San Jose, California for the head of the Vision Zero program, I was interested and applied and was a little you know, surprised to go through the process and then get to the point of getting offered the job and wondering if I would really leave New York. You know, I'm from the Bay Area, but I really had not really really spent any meaningful time in San Jose before getting this job opportunity. Um, but they were really still open to me. I think that, I, you know, being from the region was, you know, for, for it was a plus to them for me about me. Um, and so, um, you know, given my experience working on Vision Zero in New York City, I think they were really interested in having that type of input here. Um, and also just wanting someone who they thought was, you know, a good listener and could learn the culture of the place. And I felt like I was, you know, that type of person. So I felt like, sure, okay, sure. Let's try something new. Cause I'd already tried something new by going to the Department of City Planning. Um, and I think I'd also learned that there was a special culture about DOTs. And I think that I, you know, even before taking this job I think I knew that that culture that I had first met in New York City DOT also existed here and maybe exists in all DOTs. Um, so that's how I got to be here. I don't know whether to call this an error or not, but I think certainly I think transportation planners would uh, understand where I'm coming from when I say this, especially ones from New York. I moved to California and I didn't want to get a car. Um, so I did live without a car in downtown San Jose for two years, which is, um, I think when you tell Californians that they like, you know, there's like a, a pause, like I'm crazy. Um, but you know, it is like a, a transportation planner, particularly a New York transportation planner and sort of way to think about the world. Um, and also like part of even just looking at housing in San Jose before I, um, you know, was fully decided to take the job um, was a main question of, and I was asking this to people on the phone. I hadn't like looked at apartments yet, but I was asking, you know, the people who had come to be my colleagues here, is it possible to live in San Jose without a car? And the answer is yes. It's just that very few people in San Jose do that. So um, I do in fact live in a 21 story building in downtown San Jose with a great view of a bunch of mountains around and, uh, of skyscrapers, old skyscrapers. Um, you know, basically I have a view of San Jose from my apartment that most San Joseans and for that matter, Bay Area people or Californians don't really know exists in San Jose. So um, in fact, I just recently showed my apartment to some of my coworkers like two days ago and they just like looking out the window like they'd never seen this view before. <laughs> like they didn't know this view existed. Um, so right, that's right. sort of an San interesting. Jose, a lot of San Jose is, is kind of flat, right? It's in a valley. Yeah, right? well, it's it's, it's a valley. Mountains in some sense. Yes. We, yeah, we have mountains on, um, I guess, three sides to the east, west and south and the bay to the north. Um, the It is, you know, hilly on all of the fringes of the city, but the center of it is flat and it's probably very well known for its expansive suburban expansion, um, you know, so it has a lot of single family houses. Right. And some of that is starting to, or maybe it started a while ago to, to sort of get up into the hills or the foothills, is, is that fair to say? Yes, yes, it has done that. Um, it is in the foothills and I can I can see it out my window. Um, so yes, it doesn't go all the way up the hill, but it goes, you know, it goes somewhat up the hill. 
Great. All right. Well, now that we sort of um, transitioned to talking about San Jose, uh, tell me more about your impressions. You've been there. Uh, how many years has it been now? Um, I moved here in the beginning of 2019, so it is two and a half years okay. um, now that, yeah. Um, so, I mean, being that I'm originally from the Bay Area, I feel a little bit of an insider and an outsider. And um, I, you know, an insider and in that I'm from the Bay Area and an outsider that I'm not from the South Bay or San Jose. Although I did as a child come down to the South Bay, but just not this part. I came down more to uh, Palo Alto. Um, and being from Berkeley, it's just, there's a natural sort of university town thing about those two. Um, and knowing family friends who would live in both. Um, and um, yeah, so I guess I'm gonna give a little bit of a, my version of San Jose's history, but I sort of say this as an outsider again. Um, so like the rest of the Bay Area, it is originally Ohlone land and specifically the sub-tribe is called Tamian. And as a transportation planner, I like when um, historical things like that are memorialized in public buildings. And so one thing that I'll point out that I actually don't think most San Joseans would point out is that one of our train stations on Caltrain is called Tamian Station. And it's the station directly down south of downtown. Downtown is Duradon Station. Um, and I don't think most people know that Tamian Station is named for the um, Native American tribe that used to live here. Um, but San Jose is one of the oldest cities in California. It was part of New Spain. Um, I believe Pueblo San Jose, which is from 1777, uh, is the oldest city that is not a presidio, AKA a fort um, in Northern California. And um, it was um, one of the other things that happened in that pre, you know, pre-Anglo, pre-US, pre-statehood period is that um, mercury was found in the mines just south of San Jose. And so they had um, a town called Nueva Almaden or New Almaden. Um, and the way that that uh, history comes into present San Jose is that our newspaper is called the Mercury News. I believe mercury is used to separate gold ore or something of that nature. Uh, so in the gold rush would have had a big role. Um, that probably came in handy about 150 years yeah, ago. in yes, in the 1840s, the California gold rush, yes. Um, and so um, California joined the US in the Mexican-American War, uh, which was in the 1840s. Uh, I wanna say California became a state in uh, 1849 and San Jose was the first capital of California during the US, but really Anglo periods or, uh, so of 1849 to 1851. So then another sort of transportation planner reference here is that if you take um, Amtrak to the East Bay from San Jose, the Amtrak line is called the Capital Corridor because it connects the first capital of California, which is San Jose to Sacramento. So oh, that's I also appreciate- I always just associate yeah. with Sacramento. I didn't realize there was- yeah, yeah. So that's like a cool um, factoid. And in the Spanish period, um, Monterey was the capital of California from 1774 to 1849 under the Spanish. Um, but Sacramento didn't become the capital of California until 1869. Um, so uh, some other things are that um, in the early 1900s, there's some of the same major barons of San Francisco who are also present in San Jose. So James Lick, who, um, you know, big money person, don't remember all the details. Um, a lot of things are named for him in both San Francisco, like Highway 280 is the James Lick Freeway um, in San Francisco. And in San Jose, there's the Lick Observatory and the Lick Mansion. Uh, there's a James Lick High School. And then another, um, you know, big person of the early 1900s, A.P. Giannini, is the founder of the Bank of Italy, also now known as the Bank of America. And so uh, A.P. Giannini, there's a middle school in San Francisco, and uh, there's stuff came from here too. I don't remember all the things. Um, but then uh, in the, I guess, mid-1900s, early 1900s, uh, this was basically farmland. And so there's a lot of references to orchards and you know, other things being canned um, in the early 1900s. 
Um, and then uh, 1950s to 1980s is the major sort of suburban expansion of San Jose from which you get a lot of uh, single family housing. Um, and uh, I'd say that that today is what a lot of people think of San Jose for is just an expansive suburban uh, housing. Um, but some other things that are interesting um, are that we now have the largest Vietnamese population of any city in the US. And so there's a vibrant little Saigon, which I think is uh, not well publicized, but is really cool to visit. It's two, I'd say the center of it that's most visitable um, are two outdoor malls where, you know, sort of in the way of strip mall California, you can um, we'll actually really have a cool um, immigrant neighborhood experience, but in the physical context of uh, strip malls, which is not always physically compelling, but um, I would say worth visiting. Um, and, worth worth um, it for the food, right? <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely for the food. Um, and it's not to say that there, actually, we have a lot of immigrant groups here. I would say that the immigrant nature of San Jose is really great and compelling. There's older groups like Italians and Portuguese, um, and then there's newer groups, uh, Mexican, there's a huge population here, um, and uh, a lot of South Asian, East Asian. So, um, you know, Indian food here is great. Uh, Chinese food here is really, really authentic and amazing. And actually the thing about Chinese food that's almost like a warning is that it's really, really expensive often. Um, so, cause it caters to a very high income audience uh, here. Cause a lot of the, you know, immigrant engineers who work at our, um, you know, work at Facebook and uh, Google and uh, Apple, which are like the major big tech companies that surround San Jose. Um, you know, they, that's who, that's who, that's who lives here. Um, this is, you know, San Jose is basically, in a sense, the bedroom community to um, the little suburbs that are the homes to those major huge companies. Um, and so some of the other things of note in the more recent history of San Jose is that there's a light rail system that's relatively new. Um, BART is expanding to San Jose and opened its first station in San Jose at Berryessa in June 2020 during the pandemic. Um, the population of San Jose, and here's a great factoid, is larger than San Francisco. So San Jose is the most populous city in Northern California and the 10th most populous city in the U.S. I'd say that if you were going to do a trivia question of the 10 most populous cities in the U.S., most people would miss that San Jose is on that list and they'd probably put it in San Francisco. Um, so some other things are um, the city in general, I'd say is one of the more open places to building housing in Northern California. And I mentioned before that, you know, there just hasn't been enough housing built in this area and that housing is really expensive. Um, I just read in the New York Times that as of June, 2021, San Jose, Metro, which I think means uh, the county that we're in. So San Jose is 1 million people. Our county, which is Santa Clara County, has 1.9 million people, uh, making us also the most populous county in the Bay Area. Um, we have the highest percentage of owner-occupied housing that costs more than $1 million, which is uh, 47%. So the median house price in San Jose as of June 2021 was $968,000. Yeah, that's probably one of the most uh, unique things about San Jose or things that stand out is just the cost of living, right? Because of the right. tech investment there and the demand for housing. And even though it's sprawling, obviously um, there's simply not enough uh, supply as in many parts of California and the US to meet the demand. So. Um, yeah, I mean, what's interesting to me is, you know, coming from New York City before, I would have said that real estate in New York City was wildly expensive, and perhaps it was in the area where I lived. Um, but if you look on this, you know, metro area list, the percentage of, of owner-occupied units over a million dollars in New York metro uh, is 10%, and the median is 450000 um, so New York is number five on the list. San Jose is number one, San Francisco, number two, Los Angeles, number three, San Diego, number four. Um, you know, and of course, it's crazy. Of course, of course, that's great if you're a Google engineer and you can afford it. You'll still probably complain about the cost of housing, but you'll, you'll figure it out. But if you're making minimum wage, 
you know, what do you do, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the stories around what people do to do, um, you know, lower income jobs here are really crazy. Um, like things, there are a lot of things here that look like homelessness that aren't exactly homelessness. Like there are people who probably, who are like, there are a lot of stories about people living in cars in order to, you know, be a teacher at a school or something like that, um, or to be a college student or, you know, various other things like they are employed um but there is no reasonable way for them to live here at all and so people do super commutes to places that are just not really like near here um california's central valley is a good example of a super commute that is um you know a little mind-boggling to me but there is in fact a commuter train called the um Altamont Commuter Express or ACE that goes to San Jose. Um, so you could, you know, if you are willing to do that, I believe two hour train trip, um, you could live in the Central Valley in, you know, Tracy or somewhere near there um, and have a Silicon Valley job. Um, and in fact, some of my coworkers at San Jose Department of Transportation did that, although they did also seem to be the people most likely to quit relatively quickly because, you know, if you can get out of doing that commute, yeah, hard, I can understand why you would. Yeah. Although just a little note too, is that when I worked for New York city government, you had to basically live in New York city with a few exceptions. Uh, and here it's extremely common not to live in San Jose. And in fact, um, it's the case in other uh, California city governments, people who I work with, you know, all the time that they work for San Francisco or they work for Oakland, they don't have to live in the cities they work for. Yeah. So it yeah. sounds like, you know, housing and housing affordability is definitely, you know, on the, on the list, high on the list in terms of sort of issues that San Jose is dealing with. You know, one of the things that was compelling to me about working for San Jose is that San Jose has been more open to housing development um, than other cities in the Bay Area. Um, and so I was interested on some level to see what a place like that is like, because, you know, the places that I'm from in the Bay Area are incredibly resistant to building housing. I'm not even talking about affordable housing, like any type of housing. So, um, you know, I'm originally from Berkeley, like Berkeley has not changed that much in the 21 years that I was not there. And most Berkeleyans would disagree with me, I should say, but um, coming from my New York standpoint, I'd say New York and Brooklyn where I lived changed a lot more visibly in the, in the years that I was there uh, than Berkeley did. And I would say the same for San Francisco. San Francisco, like, you know, the BART system goes through the Mission District, which does not have tall buildings near where the BART line runs. And it's, crazy to me. So I think, you know, the sort of the idea that transportation oriented development has kind of like yet to come to most of the BART system um, is, is crazy. Um, and so, you know, it's sort of interesting then to see places that are a little less established, like San Jose, um, you know, be more willing to, to build things, although they do at the same time also have, you know, their same chorus of people who don't want to have the neighborhood character change. So um, it's just sort of a question about how much a reception that argument gets. Yeah. But you raise sort of an important point there, which is even if San Jose, you know, San Jose is, even if it's the biggest city in the Bay Area, it's still um, just one city in the Bay Area. So even if it's doing, doing the right thing in terms of building housing, it's really a, re it's a regional housing market. So um, it, it can't do it alone, right? You need, it needs to be a right. regional solution. I wanted to pick up on one thing you mentioned. You, you talked about the light rail system. You mentioned that yes. there's a light rail system in San Jose, which I think most, um, most people who follow transit or transportation uh, sort of know about. Um, my impression, and this is just my impression from talking to people, you know, we're both transportation planners. I worked in, in San Francisco for a few years, was that it wasn't necessarily the most effective or the most well-utilized uh, light rail system. 
what's your take on, you know, why it's not maybe as successful as it could be? And is there something that could be done to, to sort of um, boost ridership and sort of make it um, more successful? Or is it part, is part of the nature just, you know, sort of like LA where they're investing a lot of, in a lot of transit, but when you have such a, you know, a sprawling metropolitan area by its nature, by its very nature, uh, it's it's hard. It's sometimes challenging to uh, to to make transit work. The VTA um, is a not well utilized transit system, and um, I believe that the planning of its lines, which you know is a few decades ago and was not done by um, private companies, um, they I believe, you know. Said, I think they, you know, probably had the right type of ideas in mind, but then didn't really deliver them. So the lines on the VTA light rail system do not effectively connect people from where they are to where they want to go. Um, in fact, you know, when I look at it, um, you like, for example, the San Jose airport is three miles north of downtown San Jose, and there is no line that connects them. Um, if you want to go from the San Jose airport using transit to downtown San Jose, you have to take a bus that doesn't come very often and goes through the airport terminal to um, a light rail station that also not super frequent and runs rather slowly to downtown San Jose. Um, the sum of which is that it can take about 45 minutes to go a little bit more than three miles and if you wanted using transit or transit-like thing um, to do the exact same trip, you could actually do it if you had not very much baggage um, using bike share, which goes right next. There is a, uh, a very nice bike path that goes right next to uh, the path that you'd want to take. And it takes about 20 minutes, um, which I know you can't really do with a luggage, but in any case, um, it's totally impractical to go between those two places using uh, VTA. And um, also VTA runs um, not underground, but at grade in downtown San Jose. And so it is subject to all of the traffic lights. And so it runs maybe like 10 miles an hour if you're lucky in downtown San Jose. And furthermore, it makes kind of a spaghetti of a route um, that it seems like totally inefficient and is presumably slower than taking a bus. Um, and so basically it seems like it has put itself or like by design is just not likely to be used by anyone who's in a rush. Um, so, you know, I think the point being that if you design a transit system, it really needs to go uh, on the route that people want to be on or be incredibly close to it and or be underground or overground and not have, you know, all of these uh, traffic crossings. And, um, you know, like basically the amount of time it takes to go from point A to point B is really critical. Um, and, you know, there's just this long list of reasons why the VTA light rail system is not a great idea. So, I, you know, I lived in downtown San Jose for two years without a car. I've probably taken the VTA system under 10 times, even though my work gives me a free pass. Wow. Um, so, yeah. yeah. You find yourself taking buses much or? No, actually I used the, uh, the bike share. So we have okay. uh, Bay Wheels, AKA Lyft um, bike share. And um, I, it, it's in uh, San Jose and San Francisco and Oakland and Berkeley. And um, my sort of, you know, outside work life is that I would work during the weeks before the pandemic in downtown San Jose and take bike share to work, which only took five minutes. And then on the weekends, I mostly was in San Francisco and Oakland and seeing my family in Berkeley in order to do that, I would either take the Amtrak Capital Corridor to Oakland or Berkeley or take uh, Caltrain to San Francisco. And then once I was in one of those places, I could also use the, uh, the Bay Wheels system to take, you know, local trips or BART to connect all of them. So um, that all worked really well before the pandemic. And 
you know, would all probably work well now too, except that I did a terrible thing during the pandemic and got a car. Although I tell myself that it's a three-year rental because it's a lease. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that's my long right. answer to how I don't really take VTA. Yeah. All right. Well, we talked about a little bit about housing, a little bit about transportation, and some of the some of the as I think us planners are want to do, and really everyone is want to do. What some of the shortcomings are. Um, tell me about what you think is generally going pretty well right now in, in San Jose, or at least moving in the right direction. And maybe the bike share system is part of that. Um, but uh, you know. Give, give us give us some optimism or tell us uh, what you think uh, what you think San Jose is uh, where they're headed headed in the right direction. Well, I do think that they're doing well at um, you know having a future with more density. So I just heard um, that there are 26 skyscrapers currently in some process of being built um, downtown or just around the city. Um, one of the bigger areas that uh, that the city works on, although I don't personally work on, um, is called urban villages. And that is effectively rezoning neighborhoods yeah. for more density. And um, so there's a lot of those plans. A lot of them are around BART stations, such as the one that is already open. And so that's the Berryessa BART station. So there's a Berryessa urban village plan. Um, and then there's a West San Jose one and an East San Jose one and a downtown one and a number of other ones. So um, I guess when I read, um, you know, kind of NIMBY stories about other parts of the Bay Area refusing to build whatever type of housing it is, like those stories are like very common and nearly every day. Um, it's nice to see that San Jose does build a lot of those things. Um, and so I guess from the standpoint of when I originally took the job, I, I like that. Um, like one of the types of housing that I see San Jose building fairly regularly is senior housing. And um, I, I'm glad for that because there's stories about other cities in the Bay Area that, you know, it was pitched and it didn't happen. Um, even in this county, uh, I remember Palo Alto, I think, had a, a story about, you know, senior housing was planned and instead they built like, you know, $2 million townhomes or something. I think so there's something about uh, the culture or the population or something else about San Jose that makes it more receptive uh, to maybe higher density, uh, whereas some of the other uh, cities in the Bay Area aren't? Well, I'm not exactly sure. I think one of the things that has sort of continued to be a bit of an enigma to me is that San Jose is, um, it's as if it were multiple cities that are one city. Um, so I, I think that it is, I, I, sometimes I feel like it doesn't have a single common identity um, and necessarily like, for example, downtown San Jose exists and it's uh, old gridded, you know, from this, probably from the Spanish, you know, new, new Spain period originally. And then now, it, you know, it has the sort of 1920s skyscraper in a few cases, um, but, it's not a downtown that's used by all people in the sense of many other cities. Um, and so that to me is kind of peculiar. And I wonder sometimes if that makes it easier to accept the idea of densifying um, different areas of the city because they're like, it's almost people like don't have areas as much of the city don't... people don't have as much ownership over it. Yes, yes, like that. Um, in fact, like a lot of New Yorkers ask me, like, you know, what would San Jose be if it were a place in, in the greater New York area? And I feel like the, um, the reference for me is if it were like a bunch of cities in central New Jersey, but they were all one city. So um, like there's a section of central New Jersey where there are a lot of immigrant South Asian engineers um, and I think it's just right, Edison Princeton, or... roughly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like all those people who have come to work in a lot of like the big pharma in central New Jersey. Um, it, it feels a little bit like that. Um, and, and then there's even, there's more to the analog, like, you know, highway one in New Jersey seems kind of similar to 101 in the peninsula and Princeton seems kind of similar to Stanford. And um, so, but in any case, I don't think central New Jersey has anything like a city of a million people. 
that, you know, is centrally governed, um, but doesn't necessarily like, you know, it's, it's just weird that there are all these subsections of San Jose that don't seem to have much to do with each other. Yeah, I was actually yeah. reading it when I was doing some research for our talk, I was reading that a lot of San Jose went on a big annexation binge, like in the mid 20th century. So like yes. if, they, if there hadn't been that policy decision to really just gobble up a lot of these, you know, what were at that time, presumably independent cities or just in unincorporated areas, it, it may it may very well in an alternative universe have, have looked very different, maybe more like what you're talking about. In the yeah. Yeah, I think um, it's not dissimilar from other um, post-war sort of freeway, you know, tangled um, large cities of the of the Southwest present day, Sunbelt cities. Um, you know, Los Angeles is a frequent comparison, but it could also be like Houston and Austin and those places that have sort of gobbled up all the stuff around them. I mean, the idea that Houston is going to be the fourth most populous city at some point because basically it can expand itself, you know, out and out and out, unlike Chicago, which is what it would overtake. Um, for, for the I've, er, earlier, I mentioned the top 10 most populous cities. Um, I think that it's just a matter of months, perhaps, until Austin overtakes San Jose, uh, wow. because Austin wow. is a similar story and it's growing super fast. And, um, you know, I, I could totally see that happening at any time now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just that San Jose is bounded by the mountains that we mentioned. And also, um, it's, you know, already within a fairly built up urban area. So San Jose, yes, did, um, annex a lot of unincorporated area and it's map, by the way, is super crazy looking if you look it up. Um, mm -hmm. but that's partially because it sort of weaves in and around like these unincorporated areas that didn't become part of it. Right. And right. A few yeah. little cities, you know, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the whole post-war city is like a, a weird phenomenon sometimes to compare to a pre-war city. Yeah. At least it doesn't have one of those, what are the donut holes? Like some cities actually have like city oh. have, have either unincorporated areas or other cities that are like completely surrounded, surrounded by. That, that's, it's like, I feel like when that occurs, that's usually due to crazy expensive suburbs that right. don't want like, like the like, overarching, right. like, yeah. yeah, like um, in Oakland, there's, is, Oakland surrounds a place called Piedmont, which is a uh, kind of super white and rich, um, basically like crazy suburb in uh in the middle of oakland and um i think there are places in los angeles like that too like beverly hills right right i wanted to talk um maybe just touch on a specific project or program that uh, you find sort of interesting or promising and people might not know about outside the city you did mention the urban villages which i think is is a good example of that but I would also say, you know, we haven't really talked about what you do. So if, uh, well, if you sure. think something that you're working on or your colleagues are working on is, uh, would be of interest to the listeners, uh, I encourage you to talk about that as well. well. Why don't I first do one that's not mine and then I'll do uh, some that are. So the one that's Sounds not great. mine, I'd say that is the most high profile projects that people should know about um, is First off, that BART is um, expanding in farther into downtown San Jose. So the, the current station that opened in June 2020 is above ground um, and not downtown. And they are uh, expanding into an underground phase two of BART Silicon Valley, which as a note is being built by VTA, not BART itself. Um, and uh, we'll go to uh, one, two, three new stations in downtown San Jose. Um, and then uh, continued to the next city, which is called Santa Clara, and is a smaller city to our northwest. Um, and just, and, and, just um, for, and just for clarification, I'm, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast know what BART is, but that is the essentially so, the regional yes. transit heavy rail transit provider. Yeah, I'd say like for people who are looking for San Francisco's subway, I'd say BART is typically the first one they think of, although Muni's another one. So San Francisco's got a uh, 
streetcar system that is at grade in the outer neighborhoods and when it goes downtown is um, under Market Street underground. And in those same stations, you can also exit Muni and enter BART and BART goes across the bay to Oakland and Berkeley um, and Richmond. And then when you go south along uh, the bay, it goes through um, San Leandro and Hayward and Fremont. And then they expanded the Fremont line to go to San Jose which is probably not what most people would guess about how BART gets to San Jose. They might imagine it goes through the peninsula where there are a lot of tech employers, but uh, those places, um, while they've been very open to having high paid jobs locate there, they have not been open to having BART locate there. So BART does not go through the peninsula. It sort of goes as far south as the San Francisco airport. Um, and so, um, yes, BART is like our um, subway slash regional commuter rail. Most, most trips on BART are under an hour long. Um, and um, so BART has expanded to San Jose via Fremont. And, um, and there's this um, probably 10 year long project ahead of us still to uh, have it come into downtown San Jose underground. And um, the most high profile of those three stations to be built in San Jose um, is the station area called Duradon, um, which is uh, where currently Caltrain goes and also Amtrak goes and also the Altamont Commuter Express ACE go. And um, so it would go under that. And the really big exciting project part of that is that all of the land around that station has been purchased by Google to create Google's first master planned, really urban mixed use office hub. And um, for anyone who's familiar with Google's headquarters in Mountain View, which is about 20 minutes away, 15 miles, um, it is definitely not urban or mixed use. It is basically a bunch of suburban parking lots. It is not really the type of working environment that most tech employees want to live or work in. And so there has for a long time been this thing in the Bay Area or really just in the tech world in general, where, you know, I don't know, your, your friend in New York or Chicago or whatever, like, oh, they're so excited. They got a job at Google slash Apple slash Facebook and they're gonna move to San Francisco and like, they're gonna work at Google slash Apple slash Facebook. And then anyone from the Bay Area is like, oh my God, they don't know about the terrible commute yet. And they also don't know that that office is like the suburban office park in the middle of nowhere. Um, so uh, on the other hand, people who work for those companies um, have been really excited about whenever those companies, you know, get more office space in a downtown location, such as New York City has a bunch of very urban Google offices. And San Francisco has not as many urban Google offices as you might like. Um, and Chicago has an urban Google office, but it doesn't have a lot of the main groups. Um, and like there's one in Cambridge, but it's also kind of small. Um, and so, for example, like, you know, for Google to develop an urban downtown office is just really exciting for tech employees. Um, there's a big high profile Google attempt to build one of those projects in Toronto that uh, a lot of planners might know as Sidewalk Labs. Um, but that project, so far as I know, is paused or is no longer being pursued. Um, whereas this project in San Jose is not as well known because San Jose is not as well known as Toronto, um, but it does sound like Google will be building that kind of like urban office uh, situation that they wanted to build in other places. And for what it's worth, I think it's a good um, thing for San Jose too, because San Jose will get a you know, mixed use urban downtown extension around its main train station, which currently is basically a sea of surface parking lots. So um, San Jose, it seemed like a win-win project for both um, Google and San Jose. Um, and so that's, I would say the most high profile project for people to know about because it has all these interesting parts um, also of having BART then join that. And I also know that they're working on building an airport connector that would you know, create that connection that doesn't really exist yet of that hub to the airport that's three miles away, which is the Bay Area's second busiest airport and has nonstop flights to you know, New York and 
London and other places. So, um, you know, I think that that future uh, for all that area is pretty exciting. As a transportation planner, that's like a dream, right? Because it's like all of these systems come together here. And so instead of having to yeah. you know, take the private shuttle from San Francisco down to Sunnyvale, you know, if you work at that office, it's maybe not accessible from everywhere in the Bay Area, but about as accessible as you can imagine. Yeah, there's also a bunch of bike trails that come there that you that um, I know that Google's interested in making a, a lot nicer, but making them connect better is probably the easiest sure. way to put it because they a lot of them don't connect super well in downtown San Jose. Um, so it's just a overall very interesting and seemingly a good project for most of the players involved. And in addition, I mean, obviously all levels of gentrification are super controversial, but it does seem that the community benefits that are being worked out in this project are on the better side of nearly any type of project like this that I've read about. So I'm sure there are a lot of people who are very worried that this project will yet increase more of the cost of housing in San Jose, and they're probably not wrong. Um, but, you know, basically, if you don't do anything in these areas, it still goes up. Right. So, yeah, you're not um, going to solve the problem by just opposing. Um, yeah. Things. Yeah. And so, it's, as you mentioned, so it's, it's, mixed, yeah. it's mixed use, so it's office and housing, right? Uh, well, it's also, yeah, and also, a, you know, active retail and other sure, sure. Um, Yeah, so I know that uh, Google envisions it as a sort of more porous office environment where it's more like a sort of downtown office environment than it is like, uh, you know, Google employees disappear behind some wall that you're not allowed to cross. Cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, and was there another project you wanted to mention? Maybe... Well, I mean, I was just a little bit about the work that I do. Yeah, so um, so uh, I mentioned that I'm the Vision Zero uh, manager for the city and um, a little bit about the project that I do. Um, so when I joined here in early 2019 and really began sort of focusing on uh, the number of traffic fatalities that the city had, which even though it had adopted uh, Vision Zero in 2015, had not really focused on the numbers as much as I would like. So um, so we really worked on focusing on the city's traffic fatality trend. And like other cities, it had seen a, a growth in traffic fatalities. Uh, traffic fatalities had doubled between uh, 2010 and 2020. And, um, and so we created a new Vision Zero action plan and the city invested almost $7 million in it right before the pandemic started. And so uh, we have uh, six areas that we call our priority action areas and they are to um, build innovative, uh, build robust data analytics tools to form a Vision Zero task force to strategize traffic enforcement to increase community outreach and engagement, uh, to implement quick build data-driven safety improvements and to prioritize resources on high fatal and severe injury corridors and districts. So um, basically in my experience working in this job, like we have really like, you know, made great strides in all of these areas. Um, and it's been really exciting to lead that. Cool, well, thanks for letting us know about what, what you've been up to. It sounds like you're you're keeping busy there. I want to end just with a question that's not about planning at all. Just as a resident of San Jose, uh, tell us something interesting or fun uh, that sort of you've discovered about San Jose, uh, just, just as a resident that uh, any resident, even if they weren't a planner, uh, might, uh, might, uh, might enjoy. Well, um, you know, one of the things that I had done in the years before I got here was I had I'd done more traveling in the world. Um, I'd also done more traveling in the outer boroughs of New York City and seen a lot of the great uh, immigrant groups that have come to live, in, you know, famously in places like Queens, but really all over New York City. Um, and um, I, one of the things that I really like about San Jose is that I feel like the the local tourism that I want to do a lot, but I also feel like takes a little bit of research before I try to do it, is to find the nooks of all of the immigrant neighborhoods in San Jose that, you know, to visit. Um, and whenever I find them, they're just really great um, 
So that's like, as a sort of generality, the type of thing that I think is pretty cool about San Jose is that um, we do have a lot of uh, a lot of immigrant groups, a lot of languages spoken, and we do have like very, very authentic food to find um, if you're that type of food tourist. I also would say though, that San Jose's um, media uh, is not well developed. So like, it takes a lot of researching here to find those things. Um, because for example, um, food journalism, uh, the types of columnists who would write this up, for the most part, don't live or write here. Um, they are people who are based in San Francisco and might be more biased to where the transit is good. Um, so for example, to learn about, um, you know, the good, the good food things here, you really, really have to mine and ask around or stumble on things. And at which point you might be shocked that no one told you about that thing before. Um, uh, some other just regional uh, food things here, some of which I have, are less accessible than others, like the, um, the burrito comes in a slightly different variation in San Jose than it does in San Francisco. I mean, the burrito itself is mostly similar, but there's this weird orange sauce that San Jose is famous for that I don't love. So I feel like I'm a bad person to push that one. But, um, but yeah, I, I do think that in general, um, the, just the, the overall sort of immigrant food scene, if you're willing to go navigate a few perhaps not super inviting looking strip malls um, is totally worthwhile. Like another thing too, was we went to H Mart, the fancy Korean grocery store. Like I would totally recommend going to the H Mart in Cupertino to anyone. It's like totally like the second you open your car door in the parking lot, you could be in Korea. Um, and uh, like all the stores around the H Mart are Korean. And then uh, we went to a supermarket in Santa Clara, which is sort of just up the street from here, um, which was a, an Indian supermarket, which was just like teeming um, and was also kind of an amazing cultural experience. So um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that here and I, I wanna see more of it. I'm sure there's many other ones I haven't found yet. All right, well, I think we'll leave it there, but yeah, just want to thank you again, Jesse, for um, a really interesting talk. And I've learned a lot about San Jose just in the hour that we've been speaking. And I'm sure that our listeners have too. So thanks very much. Definitely. Thank you for listening to the episode. I am Christopher Romes, and I hope you will join me again for other conversations with urban planners about their cities. Goodbye.